Today I get to not only introduce a new guest, but I get to introduce a new sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by a children's book, An Invitation from the Fairy. Years ago, the farmyard was a danger zone, occupied by badly behaved animals. Fairy Mame, who lives in the sky, discovered the farmyard animals during her adventure on Earth. She began teaching them how to behave, which actually was pretty difficult. She came up with the idea to use an invitation to her cottage to help taming the animals. But Mr. Zoom, who was a pit bull, decided he was going to try to stop her invitations. Did he succeed? You're going to have to read the book to find out. But also, not only is there a book, but there's a soundtrack, and we have one of the songs at the end of this interview. You could find An Invitation from a Fairy both on Amazon.com or aninvitationfromthefairy.net. Check it out. I mean, I, I had big dreams, mm-hmm. but I was never like, okay, like making a project with Kareem Hunt or this is how we're going to sell out this show with Lil Pump or boom, Jack Harlow right here. It's just, they're kind of all just in a sequence where... We are on Collins Conversations. I always let the guests introduce themselves. Let everybody know a little bit about who you are, what you do, and kind of what brought you here today. Yeah, what's good, you guys? It's Trey Smith on Colin Conversations. Um, creative charisma like no other, and person that likes art and music. Colin, how are you? Absolutely, I'm fantastic. Uh, this is the first time we have we're debuting this set. Okay. Um, since luckily you're running a little bit late, I actually cut three inches off the table before you got here. I sat down and I was a little bit too small. You couldn't see me for shit. I'm like, I know he's a big dude. We'll be able to see him just fine. But I was like, we can't even see me on my own show. I'm, I'm kind of- I, at that point, I'd be like, right, you see like my balding spot and that's about all. I was like, that's not a good look for the brand. Uh, no, I mean, I don't know. It's kind of just your brand is just what, however you see kind of fit. But I- it's, it's amazing because I love the, I was like, came in here and you were like telling me earlier, like, yo, bro, like it's all good because my table, I gotta get together, and I'm just thinking to myself when I'm when I'm with my girl, and I'm like, I cannot cut three inches off a table. It's <laughs> like, oh my gosh, like I'm like in there, like I'm not even measuring tools. But I'm I would say sound, six months know. ago, I, I would have been the same. Like, how the fuck do I do that? But I bought this house in June, and okay. I could run you through when we're all done. But like, I've renovated like half this house already, just wow. mostly by myself, probably like ninety eight percent. God's like, good. You got YouTube, you got call my dad, ask him questions, you call my carpenter buddies, like, hey, how, how yeah. would you do this? And then, I mean, you could buy all this wood for a couple hundred bucks and yeah. figure it out. And what's the worst thing? You cut it a little bit short and you got to redo it or yeah, figure it out. Otherwise, you got to pay somebody a whole bunch of money. It would cost me $2,000 to have somebody design a set like this. Man. Instead, it took me an afternoon and you clear out the basement and throw all my tools to that side instead of for all sure, over. For sure. And that contracting fee is like no joke. Like that stuff is so serious. And I think people like got to really start capitalizing on like power of the individual. People have done that so much with Corona. Like, oh my gosh, I I feel like my music career literally like light speeded. (laughs) I I feel like mine completely halted and made me realize how to Mm. go so much more efficient. I love it. Oh, definitely an efficiency thing for sure. It's um, but it's an exciting time like just creatively for people like people that like are like people that create product. And create content and make music and do art and do strategic, hilarious campaigns that make us all laugh about cultural moments and stuff like that, you know? Speaking of creating, um, yes. I have this right here. I don't know how many shows you've caught, but this has been well, become the kind of the ceremonial passing of the torch of a guest gift. Okay. 
Go ahead and open that up. A guest gift. Okay, this is from me. Wow. Right here on Colin Cat. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's hard. That's made by Twisted, wow. Twisted Willow Fabrications out of New York. They were a guest, I think, episode 30 or 40. They're clean. Uh, but yeah, they do custom wow. metal fabrication. Anything you want out of metal, that's uh, wow. complete uh, stainless steel. You can leave that outside. It won't rust. It won't bust. This is gonna It'll go. just open bottles and get oh you my fucked gosh. up. That's amazing. This is a, thank you so much. Absolutely. I, 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 like, I think I'm going to put this in a... In my DJ bag. You, you gotta you know have what one. I'm saying? Just, just to have, you know, like just in case, because you never know. I, I kind of like make sure I have the essential stuff, but now it's kind of gotten to the point where like essentials are so taken care of. It's like just random personal It's, it's no stuff, longer like, phone wallet keys. Now you got a whole backpack yeah, of everything you could ever need. It's not 25 eight to quarter inch adapters. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's just like flash drives and raw papers and um, a lot of other stuff that you need to DJ. That sounds like the best career starter pack. You're gonna, you're gonna need raw papers, some adapters, and a good time. That's yeah, all about for sure. It's it's a blessing. You know what I'm saying? And it's just it's kind of good too, though. Just having like preparedness. You know what I'm saying? Especially when you're like working. I think that's like one thing I kind of like didn't really like uh, understand the value of like when I first started. I was just like, I got good ideas. I don't have the best equipment to do my job, but I just feel like my ideas are strong and, and you know, I'm just grateful for that. And like, because now I feel like I have the tools to do my job to like the best of my ability in that time. And uh, it's fire, preparedness, preparedness. We had a cap, do you know Cabin in the Woods? Cabin in the Woods? You know him? No, but that sounds amazing. Uh, it's a producer rapper out of Cleveland. Okay. Uh, ch check him out. He was on, the, okay. on, I don't know, episode late last year. Okay. Uh, okay. But he had a bit that every rapper, every producer needs a music orientation. Kind of. God. One thing, and when it would change, I promise this would change the game forever. Actually have orientations for being anything you want to be in the music industry. How McDonald's kind of runs you through how to make fries, how to run the Big Mac. Like yeah. you have to teach people that it's not just <clears throat> excuse me, not just about creating. It's about also running it, running it as a business. Making you need to make a product to make money. Absolutely. Whether it's whether it's a performance or whether it's a a, agree. a release. But so many yeah. people are broke musicians, but they're trying to make a living off of point zero 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 four cents a stream. Absolutely. That, that's not getting you anywhere. Yeah, I mean, it's not. And the the real thing is, I think, is just the fact that it's like it's it's not something that's driving them they need to be driving a purposeful project or or piece or product i mean let's not even like you need even just taking it in it's in the most like simplest form is just you know i don't i don't promote and then release a product i already have the product and then i push it to who i think needs this product in the world right you know what i'm saying and like that's just a huge thing because you know there's a lot of artists there's a lot of creative people that you know don't feel like they're valuable and they don't feel like they have the resource and they don't feel like they have um a platform mm -hmm. and it's just it's you kind of got to make it your own you know the more i realized that when i was um creating and making music and djing and doing audio engineering and making beats and doing ad advertisements and stuff like that I just kind of really focused more on the five people versus the five million, you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? And and once I did that, it was real easy to make the element of competitiveness just be not even a factor. 
when I'm like making stuff or just doing stuff I, I love, you know? Mm -hmm. has, has it always from day one, has your brain just clicked in a musical manner or when did music become such a major part of your life? Yeah, it was kind of always like that. I always was just like music just was to me, I think it was just like really the, the nucleus of, um, it was the nucleus of a lot of avenues of culture. Mm -hmm. I was able to really just hone in on not only things I like, but really how to cope with the things that I don't like or the things that I don't understand more importantly. Mm -hmm. So that to me was just like the world to me. You know, you're just like, holy crap. Like I see someone like in, I see someone in the real world. We don't look the same. We don't come from the same place. We don't have any connection, interest or anything that would connect us, but we'll go to the same place and hear the same song and sing the same song. And now we're both just on the same team. And I just thought that that was like so amazing. And um, in the beginning, I never really was like, you know, let's do so. I mean, I, I had big dreams, mm -hmm. but I was never like, okay, like making a project with Kareem Hunt or this is how we're going to sell out this show with Lil Pump or boom, Jack Harlow right here. It's just, they're kind of all just in a sequence where it's, it, it all is a result of kind of the journey, mm. you know? And I'm just kind of really enjoying the journey. Um, Cause I always knew I would be able to do what I'm doing now, but to see the path so as clear as I do now all right. was so, um, far-fetched it was so obnoxiously far away you know so um yeah i kind of feel like i um i always had a good foundation and i knew music was going to lead me into great things so and you, has it been cleveland from day one or where, where were you born and raised uh yeah i mean it's pretty much cleveland um i was born and raised in willoughby so willoughby. like i went to like before before i was uh there like being my like elementary school i was um like in like South Euclid or Cleveland Heights or so East Side um, suburbs and yeah like do you, do you make different. the West Side divide or you're are you one of the people that as soon as you hit that West Side you're like nope gotta turn the car around no I'm 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 pro West Side if you in Parma Every, it's so weird whatever, to me how like, like if you live on the East Side if you yeah. grew up on the East Side for some reason you're like it's like subconscious beef yeah like yeah. for what yeah like, all, all, the only difference <laughs> is they have less expensive delis and we think right. how to make a, a corned beef sandwich cost twice as much on I the know, east side i know and they get the con they got the concrete budget for their skate parks so like they're like they're just out here but <laughs> i think that like the west carries like a different energy in ohio mm -hmm. and it's uh it's actually really great contracting what contrasting wise to like um the east side because you have like more like people that are kind of more like i think uh culturally progressive Mm -hmm. And what they're doing, um, you know, just like how I was like seeing like skateboarders on the west side in Lakewood and like kind of being a part of that culture and um, stuff like that. But um, but yeah, just really was mainly in um, Willoughby um, and um, surrounding areas. But, you know, I was in elementary school there, middle school there, high school there um, and just had a lot of uh, foundational parts. And that there. Where's if if somebody was going to come here as a transplant just for say a weekend? Where's Boom. three places that they need to go? Whether it's Willoughby, Cle Cleveland, Westside, within, within the Cleveland area, the Trey Smith top three places you need to see. Trey Smith top three places you need to absolutely go. Um, I would recommend 
if you want like nature, I would recommend Skyline and Willoughby Hills. That stuff is so great. It's uh, it's a it's a nature preservation. It's not owned by like uh, I don't know what the like Metro Parks. It's not owned by them. It's just is, like a, a is nature. Is that that uh, the bird sanctuary one? Yeah. Of course, with like the right, like right by River Road. Oh yeah, like six, yeah, six right in River Road. You, yeah, right before Over by six the, uh, in River. You got the soccer, soccer things. Right? Oh yeah, of course. That's the spot. That's a, that's a, that's one of the best views you'll get. Like if you go deep enough and know the right paths to go to, um, I think it has some of the biggest and best views. I used to bring artists from like Atlanta there. They would be like putting us on to like artists like Made in Tokyo and like OG Mako before he became kind of a little bit bigger and key and, and just all these Atlanta artists and we'd like bring him there and be like, man, this stuff is beautiful. And we'll just be- See, I hate that part key. for one reason. They don't allow dogs. I'm they don't? Nope. It's because it's a it's a bird sanctuary. So to, oh. so to protect the, the, the birds, you're not allowed what? to bring dogs in there. And it's, I forget how much, but there's a sign that's like a ridiculous wow. fine if you get caught with a dog there. No way. And me, like, there's no point of going to the woods if I'm not allowed to take my dogs. Yeah, like, it's kind of sick. It's kind of a sadistic thing, feeling the few times that I've gone to the woods and I'm like, well, my you. dogs are at home. I'm like, I, I do it for my dogs. So, absolutely. <laughs> so like, I get it. Um, so that that's... Wow, that's kind of a very disappointing thing. But. The same same type of lookout in the same area, though. Like three years ago was better because you could see the skyline a little bit more. But yeah. over in Chapin Forest, how you could see downtown Cleveland from Kirtland. Yeah, it's the same type of overlook where, like, now uh -huh. now the trees are kind of getting into where you kind of have to wait till fall to see it. But like to know that you're in Kirtland and you know, pretty much nowhere and then you're like oh that's downtown cleveland yes that's amazing i love that you actually bring that up because like i i literally was like before i was even going to that spot i was going to chapman just all the time i like worked with a artist from way back in the day his name was chris black um like he really is like responsible for giving me like my first round of like good opportunities to do some dope stuff and like i learned a lot um and it gave me a good foundation to do things um but we all used to go to chapman all the time like every day every moment it was kind of just like a part of our culture just being willoughby and having an exit at chapin that was in willoughby there's, right. there's two exits you know the the willoughby one and then there's the kirtland mm -hmm. and so we would be you know we'd park our cars at the willoughby one walk all the way to the kirtland exit and then come back up and that just be what we do daily and just making music and and i'm um, just trying to figure it out so they're, they're definitely uh definitely some history so for your day, we're going to the park. After we go to the park, we're probably going to be hungry. So in your top three, let's use number two for one place. Fire. One place you have to go to eat to have something Trey Smith approved. One place you have to eat to go to get some Trey Smith approved. That's so hard. But I think one one spot. Um, and we have gas in our car, dang. so we we could leave we could leave Kirtland and go anywhere else to get food if we oh, need to. Oh word! Oh man! Okay, so we're leaving Kirtland. We're on the east side. Honestly, you're probably gonna have to mess with with uh, my favorite wing spot, uh, Mama's Boy. They're pretty good. Mama's Boy, that's over ninety one. Yeah, they they're pretty raw. They they good people. I've too. not once gone in there, and I've always felt like I should go in there. So yeah. now, now it's become like higher on the list if I have to. Yeah, go. I, I'm sorry I had to like limit it to just one because it's just so many good like small businesses mm -hmm. that make really good food that really like just taste delicious. Um, but you know you gotta definitely mess with them, Mama's Boy out there or uh even the cheesesteak wizard spot cheesesteak wizard it's where is that good. it's uh it's right next to chase bank and east lake gotcha across from the walgreens and in, in that um, in that area my go-to for food would be pd's you know about pd's oh yeah pd's gotta go to pd's i was with um i was with my homie last time i was i was out there 
Last time I went to PDs was like before the pandemic, kind of. Oh, wait, no. I went another time with that girl. <laughs> I went one time with her and it was fire. But uh, before that, I um, went to PDs after a Christmas party last year. I was DJing like a super personal, like just Christmas party with all the like homies that I pretty much like just like knew through like mutual friends and it wasn't really like a music focused type thing like that. Mm -hmm. It was just kind of like we're all like, yo, it's Christmas. It's all play like Kid Cudi remixes, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> just like and have fun and stuff. But uh, we had went to PD's after and um, real good food. Definitely a good spot for sure. Amazing uh, breakfast spot. Another breakfast spot I would definitely recommend is JT's. JT's, I'm not hip to that one. Oh man. We're dropping all sorts of new stuff here. Man, exclusives, dude. JT's Diner. Where's, where's JT's? It's in Willoughby. Um, off, it's uh, pretty much like at the end of Lost Nation, like Lakeshore, off of Lakeshore, across mm -hmm. from Osborne Park. It's a great breakfast spot. Like, I used to go there and like have mimosas. It's pretty good after like a long like DJ set of just like. It, it, calamity, is, is that is I'm that like, the DJ standard? Do you have to work and then go get mimosas? That seems a little bit like upper echelon DJ. <laughs> nah, I think it's kind of it's kind of wild because now it's like it's kind of gotten a bit redundant. Like, <laughs> it's just like DJ stuff and like be a party animal and like not take care of yourself right. and like be subject to you know this like lifestyle or facade. But it's uh it's actually like really dope. I try to like really just have fun and just do what I love and just make dope music. But uh, I do get turned though sometimes. <laughs> it's, it gets fun, it is fun though. You so know? we got the park, then we're gonna go get some wings. And you just mentioned you like to get turned. So for the evening of the top three things you yeah, gotta yeah. do while you're in Cleveland, where's the one place of the evening activities that you gotta go? <sighs> wow, man, these are all great questions. One, Colin, Colin, conversations. I'm not even gonna get these questions probably anywhere else, which is great. <laughs> That's the which goal. Is, which is amazing. So. We're just getting started. I'm I know. To, I, love I'm to, it. I got a nice hat trick to come after this. I love it. You're coming. You're coming with left hooks, right hooks. Good content. Um, good values. Gems. Um, all right. One thing I got to do, in, entertainment wise, if I'm in the land, I got unlimited places to go. Since it's fall, I'm probably gonna have to say you're gonna have to go to either Patterson's or some type of like fall oriented event, like with the fam or something. Or like something that just makes you like super wholesome on some Ohio shit. We're not really turnt right now during this time. <laughs> right. You know, like in the summer, you'd maybe go to like a club or like a little bar spot you, you rock with. Or like, um, I don't know, like a concert by Trey Smith, like a beach party or something. N nice little you subliminal. Know. It's not just any concert. It's got to be a concert by Trey Smith. Yeah, for sure. Because, I mean, I'm always doing those. But obviously during COVID, it's, it's actually been just get better at designing concerts creating concert experience yeah we went to the grog shop for the first time this year uh what? last thursday to what? see uh, the blackhead johnny scuff mix on oh wow uh, that's my God. Funk. uh Black, it, it was su such an interesting like there's like you had to stay at your tables and you had to stay with the people that you came with at the yeah, yeah. table like that's cool it's so weird to like see the music but not like it's like a whole different way to interact with it and like you said people are just trying to figure out how can we still have a show yeah and still try to try to do things. I feel you. I feel you. That's amazing though that you did that. You even went to that show. We got um, we got to go to that show. We support everything that, uh, sure. especially Scuff Mixon does. And then, like you said, Blackhead Johnny. Blackhead Johnny. He, he's he, a, you gotta love it. Yeah, they're they're goats. They're they're good people. They're just a. Uh, I consider Blackhead Johnny. He's like one of those people that is in the scene. That he just kind of is like a a, a a good piece of like Cleveland culture. 
I think uh, I forget sure. what episode we said. We said Blackhead Johnny. Oh, that was the Doobie Same Rogers episode. Uh, Doobie Rogers said he was like the corner store that he's always got the snacks. No matter what type of snacks you want, Blackhead Wait. Johnny's got them. So oh. let's move into uh, something that everybody has to do to get on the show is actually ha show that you have real fans and that you don't buy your followers yes, type thing. Please. That we have people interact, give questions to the show. Um, and what you don't know about is some of them that are submitted via video. Yeah. Uh, we got two of them that you don't know about. And then we have Amazing. some, some uh, Instagram posts that we're going to pull through. Cool. So the For first sure. one is going to be a video from our friend Jamil in the show. Oh, wow. That's that's brother. Um, so let's play this here. Hey, Trey. Hey, Colin. What's going on? It's Jamil in the show. So, Trey, my question for you. I know you produce and create in a lot of different genres. If you could only produce and create in one genre for the rest of your life, what would it be? And it can't be hip-hop if you want to... I love it. Hey, Trey. Hey, I love All right. that. And now I just want to go extra mode. So, if I... So, he's telling me I'm a producer. So... So beforehand, one shout out to Jamil. Jamil, that's my guy. He's he uh he like really was has has known me, has known my brand, has seen how big it's gotten, how how uh from zero to one hundred it's gotten. So like I always have respect for him. Absolutely all the time. But he recently posted this and said this on my Instagram and when he said that I just had so many it was almost like when he said it was hard mode for not to choose rap and hip hop, it was kind of like easy mode. <laughs> I was like hard. If it was, if it was, if it had rap and hip hop, that's what would be hard because I know my strengths. But uh, I'd probably have to do like um, either like film scoring or like classical music, probably because like Hans Zimmer is like amazing. Mm -hmm. He's like actually like a like he's like an an expert level creative person. So like he's really really dope and. Uh, um, Probably like yeah, definitely film. John Williams, he's great. Dude does all the Star Wars and all of those things, and uh, he's he's really really great uh, composer. And I feel like that would just kind of be a great challenge for me. It'd be easier because I'd be peaking my challenging part of my brain pretty much for musically. Absolutely, that makes sense. Yes. All right. So for our second question, uh, yeah. how do we pronounce this? That's uh... oh wow, that's Luke Tenku. That's his name. That's his real name. Hey, what's going on, Trey? It's your boy Tuke here, and I got a question for you. If you could lock in with any producer, any producer for a week on a project, who would it be? Man. Any producer for a project for a week. Oh, my gosh. He just had to say, he couldn't even, like, let me, like, get a couple, like, oh, my gosh, just one. They're all, first off, it's just, there's so many great producers of all levels. Mm-hmm of like creating um that i just have a super insane amount of respect for but <coughs> excuse me i think i probably had to go with uh eric dan e dan uh mac miller's peoples he's just kind of like uh someone that i like i had the privilege of kind of um them being a unique part of my journey and um when i was able to work with big germ mac miller's uh engineer producer kind of before things kind of got a little bit more evolved, even though they were still doing great records. Um, Eric Dan was kind of like the standard. He was kind of like our Mike Dean. He was our, you know, how Max Martin is to like Taylor Swift or that kind of stuff. We came up on just Midwest music. So he's someone that would be like, I don't even care how many views this gets. I don't care 
this gets a Grammy, we're just gonna be great to the best of our ability with our tastes. So definitely Eric Dan, E Dan, ID Labs, those guys for sure. See, it made it seem like it was gonna be hard to answer that one easier than a lot of them. It's just narrowing it down. It's hard. <laughs> we're gonna pull uh, two two of them from Instagram. We're gonna go with Will okay. Cherry. Uh, okay. Will Cherry wants to know what's the favorite track that you've worked on uh, for somebody else's project. Oh, so not not your favorite track that you've worked on for your own, but for somebody else's project. Wow. Um, I actually think that it's very ironic that Will Cherry uh, is answering this because he actually is the, the person who has this this question. Who's who's the answer to this question? It's probably Will Cherry's um, album. I worked on. Burgundy with Will Cherry, um, and it was a super, super humbling experience, super uh, creatively powerful experience. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the reason why I really like it the most at right now at the time, um, because I've I've done a lot of done a lot of projects, but at the time that just has really meant the most to me. But I think it's just because I um, I really got to work with Lorraine Chia. And um, we we had a really we had a lot of uh, dope and great energy in the beginning of our journeys together, mm -hmm. um, and she was a very powerful talent. So it wasn't really hard for her to kind of get in a position that was uh, greatness. So um, we uh, we like did did some some dope uh, stuff like when we were really starting up before things were really like even professional or like serious. She just was like. Went to my school. I had respect for her. Mm -hmm. She was on the come up. I was on the come up, and uh, we made some really dope stuff. But over these past um, eight to nine years, we just kind of haven't. I don't think made a time where it was like kind of just like it organically made sense for us to create something. We that were kind of just like she's, you know, doing stuff with Chance the Rappers people. I'm kind of still kind of in a uh, trying to really get a foundation of local network going on and um but we'd always catch each other and she, it was always love always good energy and uh the weirdest part about all this is that you know wheelchair didn't even know we were connected he didn't even know like we were a part of any like things and it's just like crazy how how the universe does that made me super grateful for this year and just another reason to always show love and just trust the universe and trust that um you know things are gonna work out if you feel like they haven't or you feel that feeling of like ah like why isn't this happening you just gotta gotta like be patient with it this is at your kids friends what visual design project meant the most to you and how do you use that energy to create new stuff because you don't just do music you also do album covers and all sorts of visual yeah, work too so for sure what was the the number one project that stands out to you to mm. kind of feed off that for future energy um, I think I, I did really touch base on my work with DJ Danny Diggs. That's my brother. It's my dog in the DJ world. And like, I mean, just in life in general, he's just a good dude and funny guy and um, very wise, but doesn't really take life so seriously. Um, he's really, really dope people. But um, the more I kind of had took the time to think about this, it has to be my work with OG Mako, mm -hmm. um, Atlanta artist. Um, I did an album artwork for him that was uh, Cuddy um themed kind of project and um like he was i ended up getting a follow from him on twitter because me i knew who rick rubin was in his default picture so he followed me on twitter <laughs> um because i said wow and then i tweeted out and said rick rubin is the reason why i got connected with og mako 
And uh, he randomly tweeted and he was like, yo, I need someone for this artwork who can do it. And I didn't even like see, I didn't even really think I said like, yes, me. I didn't say like anything about the tweet. I just sent him the artwork and he's like, bro, this is dope. We're going to use it. And he used it and he shouted me out on his like Twitter account and like it went crazy. I ended up getting like a writer write up on the fader and pitchfork and um, every other hot new hip hop, every other complex magazine, just every press, every single like piece of like press. I kind of got that for the first time. Mm -hmm. And um, if it wasn't for OG Mako putting that battery in my back, like he might not have like paid me the most money or, you know, gave me the most time, but he just gave me a platform. So I'm definitely always blessed and grateful for that because that gave me the confidence I needed to just realize like I could do dope shit so yeah you just take advantage of the opportunities that are you kind of create your own opportunity but once one's available you kind of just go right into it mm -hmm. um i learned something today this one song has actually got th three people on the show essentially um i had no idea that you produced uh set it off because I deserve it. Love when the haters be up on my dick. Every time that I flex it, make them sick. People take pictures with seeing my shit. Then when they listen, they notice it hit. Oh, yes. Like, I, I could tell you almost every word in that song, but it, like wow. I never went past that. Uh, uh, it was that song, and you're like this story because you're the nature man of Lake County Parks. You should, Lake County Parks, you should give this man an endorsement. For sure. Um, should, I was walking through Pete's in. Pond. Okay. That's, do, oh, wow. I was doing my research. I was going to have Mike Miles on the on the podcast. Okay. Uh, this okay. was early. This was about a year and a half ago, real early in the podcast. And, you know, especially a musician, you know, like I would take the dogs for a walk and throw them in my head, headphones just to kind of go. And I, when I was listening to that song, that's where I learned about J-Work. Because J-Work kind of almost stole the show on that one with just how he ah. came in with the energy. And then I was like, well, shit, I got to still learn about Mike Miles because he's coming over to my house this evening. But I was like, <laughs> kind of in my head, I was like, all right, got to look at J-Work. Where did J-Work? That's my brother. I love him. Uh, he was a great, great interview. But yeah, this is one of my favorite songs. So kind of give us uh, the backstory of what was it like producing this song, yeah, the yeah. process of everybody coming together, um, yeah. and uh, go from there. Yeah, well, um, set it off. Um it's it's a great it's kind of really like a, a good a good moment in time because it kind of like i kind of was a, a big driving force of the reason why the song happened this beat was made like probably a couple years before jalen or mike even like knew it existed mm. um and like the other dude that co-produced this my dude md trey it's my dog mark delicio people know him on the willoughby side some willoughby shit but uh he is a he's a, a great talent, and um, I feel like I, I have a kind of a, like a responsibility to really give him platform and give him artists and give him just anything I can to, to put him in a better spot. And uh, I was uh, I just I, me and Jalen kind of rekindled our uh, friendship after like a very very long hiatus. No nothing negative. It just was it just like time. Right. Time just does that to some people, and. Um, this was like in the batch because I was making that keyboard that do 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 do. I was like made that like four or five years ago, even before they even knew this was a beat. By the time MD got it and made a drum rack to it, it was just such a, a long process that it was just kind of like throwaway. I was, at this point, it was like, I need to just get this out. But Jalen heard that and was like, oh my gosh, like I need to make a song to this. And to have Mike hop on it too was just like, blessings because he's like again another critical part of like 
like Lake County like culture and uh, just he like, is rapping. undoubtedly one of the most underrated and yeah. what any person that's looking for any any bit of a good song yeah I found out what Mike Miles charged for for a feature the other day I was mm-hmm. asking him about an artist I'm managing yeah. now I was like you guys would be great you know it is the, undoubtedly the most if you're not buying a verse from Mike Miles right now you're fucking stupid Facts. that's my endorsement on that Facts. one I mean this the quality that he's putting out yeah I think Mike is he's a great lyricist you know that's why I just wanted, like, I want him to, to have, like, just, like, just, you're right, like, a lot of people supporting him because I think he needs to be more included in the community. Absolutely. Of just music and just creating and just, like, in general. You know at at least this platform, at least once or twice a week, we try to throw something Mike Miles out. That's fire. That's fire. One of these corners, there'll be a little link about go watch good, Mike Miles interview. Good. be like, go watch <laughs> yeah, sure. Was it a long process? Did it kind of come together quickly once you got the beat or... Um, so this, this process was, uh, very interesting. Um, I think that once, once Jalen got the beat, he was kind of hyped. This is already a moment in time when Jalen was really kind of just consistently, consistently recording himself. He got so, um, compelled to do music that he really was like, you know, I don't have the most like engineering skills, but I love my music so much that I'm going to sacrifice what I need to, to, uh, to really get the song done and just to do like um some dope with it and uh he recorded this at his spot and um shortly after i think this might have been like one of the very few songs like he ended up like not releasing or or did release um like the last one before he started linking with his engineer mm-hmm. kalam who's actually a, a cleveland legend all in himself i could go on about kalam for days because of how amazing he is but um, but we ended up doing a revision to it. Um, and of course, Brett Vance shot the video. Shout out to Brett Vance too. That's my dog. I was just talking to him today. I gotta say though, the original version, better than the second version. From, from a fan. Personally? hundred percent. I, like I, like, I liked it. It confu- I don't dislike it because yeah. I like the song, but the first, yeah. the first one, hundred percent better than the second one. What do you think is the, what do you think is like the, the best part that you take away from the first one versus the second one? The second one to me, it, it it's... Again, I'm I'm I sit here and I ask questions. I'm, yeah, yeah. I don't know the technical parts of it, I but to it. me, it sounds slightly slower. Uh-huh. Like I don't know beats per minute or anything like that, but mm. the, the build up is slightly slower. You're already ahead because you know what beats per. You said beats per minute, so <laughs> I'm not retarded. I learned. <laughs> you're, I, I, you're in your bag. That, that. That's like, that's why I sit here with people like you so that I learn. I love it. As a marketer, I need to sit down with a musician, a, oh, a yeah. maker, every other position, so that when yeah. a new client comes up. Oh, well, yeah, I just talked to Trey Smith the other day. I could tell I you it. different things about this or That's that. That's great. That's amazing to have. But, yeah, to me, it's just it's a more polished version on the second one. Mm-hmm. But the rawness of the first one is what I like about it, I think. I love that. There was a, um, another record that I'm going to leave unnamed because <laughs> I don't even want to like people to have the bias. Like, <laughs> the, our audiences, like, I, right. I hate to have the audiences, like, know the bias. But, like... There's a record I said for like that same exact reason. I was just like, dude, like we had because they did um they did the uh the project together, and I was like I was like kind of A and R for him, kind of just thinking like, okay, like what makes sense? How are we gonna format this? Where are they gonna get this resource? How who's gonna do it? Why are they doing it? Mm-hmm. All that kind of stuff. And there was a song on there, and like I was like dying. Like you guys need to use the original one. I think that the song is is losing value because of it not being the original one. And my dude work was like, Pray, bro, Trey, I'm telling you, you just gotta trust me. 
I know you don't hear the second version yet, but you're gonna like it. And I was like, no, no, like this is just like I'm telling you, you're you know wasting time or whatever. And we go to the studio, and uh, it was like that first project was really where Kalam and me I felt were we kind of just like locked in, like we knew like the mutual respect we had for each other, and. Uh, he like played the the version of the the second version, and I was there and seen how fast he recorded, and then I was like, dude, why would I even ever want the first one, you know? And that comes back down to also realizing too, you kind of have to really plan everything out all the way through, and um, and just like really be able to execute from start to finish. You know what I'm saying? Um, I'm huge on that and. Me and Jalen learn more and more about that every day. It's just like we make such good songs and we just want to just throw it everywhere because mm -hmm. we have an we might not have the like biggest audience in the world, but we have an audience that is receptive to content that we put out. So we've learned starting to learn how it needs to just take time and we need people like you, like marketers and strategic strategy strategic people in our brands to be able to just release music as much as we want because it has to be for a purpose or it has to be something that drives something or it has to be um, just to have meaning and you know absolutely so, so that's huge that's definitely huge I think you kind of touched on something there that I've, I've definitely work into the podcast of mm -hmm. right now I think we're at you're ended up being like early 90s in the episodes but okay. about 70 of those are actual full interviews of different people of, around the town or yeah, I've, yeah. I've done some international Skype things but yeah, yeah, yeah. most of them are, are, are local Cleveland people and if you're a gambling person you gotta figure at least one person of this 30 people music yeah. wise that I've interviewed one of you guys is gonna blow Right. and then at that time once somebody goes to look for an interview, say when you blow up on a new song, yeah. then they then see, oh shit, Colin's conversations two years ago had him, he had Jay work, he yes. had Jamil in the show, he had, you connect, you have all these individual pieces, and if you could yeah. then get the backstory of all of them, then once it all keys. puts together, once one person blows, it's a chain reaction of oh, yeah. follow this lead, follow, like we said, the little yeah. up here, up here, it's this guy, we just yes. talked about there's three different links I could throw in about the set it off story. Of course, you and, know, and that's like amazing too. Um, I've always felt like I've, that's one part of my strategy, or just one part of my process that really I just always um, got ahead on. It was real easy for me to start promoting myself because I was never afraid to like champion someone early. Mm -hmm. You know, like uh, Lorene, she is literally a great example of that. Someone I just kind of was like she's dope like i mean i have a hundred thousand people to say she's dope but just know like she's dope and um on other people too like um you know Cassidy king me and Cassidy did a lot of work early mm. and i just was like i didn't even like me and my <laughs> me and my manager we uh, we laugh about this now um because it was just so far-fetched but you know we got into a, a argument about me working with Cassidy because i because he was like yo man you know she's she's getting um like um a good amount of 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 you know views and attention and i was so i was so angry because i was like well i don't want to work with her for that reason like right. we can't just you know because he's, he's my manager he always wants what's good for me right and and honestly i was i think that i was now that i look back on it and the more like time i have i just was kind of a little bit hard-headed mm. and kind of was just very i'm a tourist too so like i was super like firm on why i didn't want to do it and um i literally was just like yo you know i don't want to work with someone just because 
they have a certain audience or they have a certain brand that I want to get to. I want to work with them because it makes sense and mm -hmm. it may, it's practical and more importantly, like it's again going to drive something. And then two weeks, three weeks go by. Next thing I know, I get a call from my friend. And he's like, yo, you know anywhere for a studio, I'm with Cassie to make a song. And then the rest is history. And now we're great friends and we're amazing artists. But I waited for that time where it was an organic moment for me to take in advantage and just of, of the good energy and, and just hone in on like doing something that means something. So. Absolutely. I think you and I almost had that same conversation and messages like two weeks ago yeah. when we were talking about putting this together. You're like, oh, I guarantee people will watch my episode. You know, let's put it together. And yeah. I was like, I don't really care how many extra people you could bring. It's yeah. like, what what can we talk about? What key points can you and I hit that right. we could kind of uncover something new? And then once you see, oh, there's four different things we could talk about. Because yeah. that's the worst thing you want to do is have somebody come over that you've never met in person, come sit down here and then try to be like, fuck, what am I going to talk about for the next 45 minutes? Right. You know what I mean? But like, right. once you see that, you're like, oh, he doesn't just DJ, because how long can you talk about going like this? But right. when you figure out, oh, he understands the business behind music, he understands the different way to, to promote himself. You know what I mean? There's eight oh, yeah. different angles to bring it. Then you're like, oh, it's not about your audience at that point. And right. the reason you have your audience is because you're so multifaceted. For sure. And you're consistently trying to put out new things, and they see the progression, so yeah. they follow you. Yeah, of course. And uh, that's just, uh, I think, comes back down to like just uh, consistency and just foundation. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I'm like, while it seems as if I've, I have a lot of experience, I'm still only on the, the cusp of, in terms of like, long-term experience, I'm only just budding in that sense, you know? And um, you gotta really have a good foundation because, you know, you, you like have to realize that times are changing and the market's changing and people are changing and how people consume what you do is changing so you you can't change too much because if you change too much then you're, you feel in essence of trendy but you also don't want to lock yourself in with what you already know in that element of comfortability because you don't want to fade away. Mm -hmm. So it's just about realizing that, you know, when you're innovative or when you work hard or when you just are passionate about what you're doing, like you survive with the changes and you don't feel like, um, you don't feel like you have to compete with um, anything other than yourself and your journey. So it's definitely super, super important to know that and, and to realize that as a creative, you know, and yeah. And as a, as a creative, why is there not a Trey Smith podcast? Why not? Because literally, like, I want to do 25 before we even tell the public about it, literally. So there's 22 of them in the bank already? <laughs> we got to turn the cameras off and then we had to talk about it. Gotcha. Uh, the reason I ask <laughs> is that's kind of one, of my, one of the main things that I've thrown out to a lot of different musicians uh, yeah. locally is we mentioned earlier, you get next to no money when you stream a song. Um, but the fact that you only are focusing as a music i'm just saying you but you know what i mean yeah. musicians in general, in general yeah. are focusing on either an ep an album or a single but in, instead of just focusing on that one end product if you then focused on documenting the process of it Boom. interviewing the producer or the person that's all you know a feature on the song right you have that you put all that together you have a podcast which you could then get sponsorships make more money and then at the end of each episode release a different song that's going on that project or a snippet or you know a different edit to be like hey podcast what do you think kind of another way to put your face out there yeah for um, sure because when i think you'll probably agree with this statement as a musician you're not selling music you're selling yourself and your your product is yourself 
Yeah. So, like, you need to figure out different mediums to put your shit into, whether it's a film, whether it's a podcast, but mm -hmm. there's so much more revenue possibilities in the same way that we're sitting down here you're already in a studio that means yeah. you have better recording stuff than i have in this podcast studio and so it, you have that golden opportunity of content as a, a producer you do a lot of kind of your daily streams or whatever it's like yeah. you could just take that exact stream and use that as your podcast for the day it doesn't always for have sure. to be the the interview and i kind of recently yeah. swapped that up instead of doing long form now i have five ten twelve minute clips that grew the podcast so fast because not everybody wants the hour in the same way that not yeah. everybody just wants a single yeah of course and um yeah that's great it's just a, yeah it's about really just kind of understanding that brands are these multi-faceted products mm -hmm. and you know i love that you said that we're kind of selling ourselves in terms of music um and that's another reason why we only compete with ourselves in right. music and um you know logic always said and i'll never forget this because i was you know before i was doing music because I, I do do music for a living that's that's what pays my bills that's what um keeps me fed that's you know is my my focus is my purpose in life but uh you know, when I was working at Circle K, I worked at this gas station for like two years. He, he, by the way, everybody, he just completely stole my next question. As soon as he said that, I was getting ready to use the information of what was it like the day that you quit uh, Circle K because you couldn't uh, afford to live off music. Wow. So that was in the bag. We'll use that. I love it. We'll I was, run it back. Go I was ahead. segueing on my Joe, Joe Rogan swag. Com but, uh, completely in there. I had to throw my hardware piece in there. I love that. I, I love that. Um, well, originally, I wasn't even like, I didn't like, like, do music i wasn't like working at a job and then like i'm like oh my god a big bag and then, like okay bye it was like i used circle k and just any job to kind of leverage me to put me into a better job and then use that better job leverage to fund my startup you know what i'm saying and um it just was amazing it didn't it didn't feel good or bad because i just felt like it was time um you know because to to be a musician and to work for yourself, you need a certain element of consistency that's unlike a lot of other things that you kind of are accustomed to. Mm -hmm. um, and that's why I think like every person that's a creative should learn about um, prioritizing self-sufficiency and just prioritizing like making sure you're not stressed about certain things in your life personally so you can make the best music or make the best art or just make the, the thing that keeps you happy the most mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying and that was a huge wake-up call for me when um when i first had to start working because i didn't realize so many things in my personal life were going so wrong that it was actually really reflecting my product that i put out and how i push it and my attitude towards it and and how i make it and all of that stuff so you know it felt good to leave circle k but i just went to a third-party contractor with amazon and then caked up off of Amazon and then just left and just like, I'll figure it out, um, you know, but, um, but it's, it's a blessing. It makes me grateful um, that even during a pandemic where a huge portion of my money, I would say, which is DJing, because mm -hmm. I really try not to really, I don't really play somewhere without getting paid in some form to some degree. Um, for me to, you know, say I'm strong enough to not only like, go against that and, and to believe in myself in that capacity during a pandemic, but also really 
really get taken care of is just so humbling to me. It makes me realize that, you know, you don't have to like, you, you can have enough power in yourself and your situation and the universe really to be able to do the things that you want. You don't have to limit yourself and you don't have to feel like you have to do something you don't want to or you don't have to um, have that, you know? Because while I was working and before this is my job, I valued the fact that I could just eat. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Right. I just valued the fact that I could like, even though I went and I went to this this corporate environment with terrible people that really didn't really, the only reason why they liked me is because they knew I was a good worker and I'm in this environment where I'm subject to people and opinions. I'm already an artist. I'm already sensitive, <laughs> you know, I, but, I, but I had to learn that because, you know, it's just it's just subject to make you feel like you have to have a you have to feel like you have to conform a little bit and it's really not the matter of conforming it's the matter of realizing like you got to do what you need to do right. to do what you want to do you know what i'm saying so it's um, it was humbling it was humbling and a very very uh uh a lot of gratitude on the back half of the show i like to kind of pick your brain and kind of use this time to since you kind of segued a little bit in there perfectly mm-hmm. uh use this time to be, Use your brain to help others that in similar situations of yourself, whether it's yeah. now or a few years ago, yeah, to yeah. kind of give them the, the, the 101 playbook of how to do a few things. Okay. Um, so somebody that's a DJ that has turntables, that they know that they love to do it, Boom. Um, but they, they don't know how to turn it into money. What is uh, a few good tips for somebody to get a paying DJ gig? A get a pay. Okay. So... One of the biggest things I would recommend anyone to get a DJing gig that's paid. You need to show people that you are valuable and there's only one way to get paid for being valuable in a creative field. And that's just to do such good work that they can't deny you. Mm-hmm. You know, I was going to, uh, um, I was, I always had a friend when I was in my senior year of high school, I had a friend in Kent State it was like his freshman year, and uh, he always was like, he was like my best friend. And uh, he just was one year older than me, so when I was a senior, he was in college. And he always was like, yo, I'm about to be in Kent State now, you can start coming to Kent State. At that time, I was kind of in high school, so I was kind of like, you know, being a little shit. So I was mm-hmm. like, so I was like, you know what, like it's, these parties aren't anything really different than what I'm already doing at home. Like we're just mm-hmm. getting turned. I, I'm also like a, a, a drummer in a band at this point. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, whatever, this isn't anything really new or exciting to me. And I went to Kent State. And um, at the time there were three college, there, there were three streets on, on Kent. Um, it's University Street, Main Street, and College Street. And um, those were kind of pretty much the, the Greek life streets of where like you had to know someone to know somebody to get to a party or you had to um, just be there for a reason. You can mm-hmm. really be some guest with your friend and be able to go to the party, let alone DJ it. And I just thought to myself, like, how could I make these people like know that I'm serious and I definitely I want the platform, mm-hmm. right? Because college is the biggest platform you could literally go to a college promote yourself and come out even and come home and gain something mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying so i went up to a fraternity it was a tke and kent shout out tk and jacob penna but uh he's later in that time but i went up to him and i said hey because i was a freshman my dude was a freshman i said 
you should let me DJ your party. The, I mean, I'm in front of all these brothers. I'm in front of the president. I'm in front of 10 people that all look the same versus me, this one kid mm. that's just there, that's young as fuck, that, you know, it's just all odds are against him, you know? And that was like, look, let me DJ your party. If you think it's so shitty and you think that it's, it's even a little bit bad, I can't come to this fraternity anymore. I can't DJ on the street anymore. And everyone was like, what? Like, this kid is bold. But I like him and I like his drive. And I ended up DJing that party and the rest is history because they ended up, every time I went there, they showed hella love. I was able to get people in there whenever I wanted, whenever I pulled up. And at this point, my friend, like he's not even joining a fraternity yet, but then he joins, joins a fraternity. And now I'm already kind of buzzing around the college and I'm basically doing, having the ability to do gigs. And eventually I get, I land a gig with um, a fraternity. I'm gonna leave unnamed because Greek life is super <laughs> private and very sacred, but they um they gave me a residency and they said every time you come here you can you can dj as much as you want you got somewhere to stay you got a home base you got some drinks so you don't have to try and get someone else to get you your drinks or some shit. Uh -huh. and um that'll be our payment to you and that just was amazing because i was able to go out and eventually get paid gigs because everyone would see me djing the fraternity parties and there would be two or two, three hundred kids there. Mm -hmm. And then I'd go down the street and be like, yo, guys, you guys are doing this show with this rap artist. I've been DJing all these fraternities and I don't even go here. Mm -hmm. So now you're like, holy crap, you don't even have that bias of a college student approaching something from a business opportunity. And it was just super easy for me to leverage myself again into something that was a paid type situation to where I would eventually be able to DJ the freshman the freshman weeks and how they have the freshman meetings in the for Kent State directly for Kent State, I ended up DJing that, and I got paid for it. So, you know, you gotta stay open to opportunity and just play shit that's dope. Play great music that means something to you. Play music that you know is a part of you, is an extension of you, is something that you want to create a story with and build with. Because if you honestly can't do that, you it's gonna be harder for you. It's gonna be very much harder for you because you know that's what they're paying you for is to be. To, to set the tone of the of the vibe or the event or the party or the moment. So, and once you started getting the paid gigs, how uh, did you kind of determine? Was it just you threw out a number and you're like, I need this much, or was it kind of just basing off of what other people charge? How do you determine what to charge somebody in, in a situation like that? No, that is probably one of the golden questions because when I first started charging people, I really was fucking up a bunch because right. I just I didn't know where to value my art and more importantly i didn't really understand how much someone else is getting because i felt like i was a peer to them so i was like if i can't figure out what the fuck i'm about to charge myself how will i know what they're going to charge and i just really kind of overthought it and you kind of just have to realize like that how you value yourself is going to be how other people value your your brand because it's your brand so you have to really um just study and learn um I was getting paid um, when I was in a rock band. Like that was kind of the funding for my music at a low level. Mm -hmm. First, first couple, three, three or four years um, with the same best friend that helped me with the college thing. So I was going to this, these gigs and these hole in the wall 
uh, bars, not even hole in the wall, just bars in general. Shout out like Brenda Lears when Willoughby Hills or Spectators in Chesterland or the Stonewater Tavern in Kent and uh, uh, I'm trying to think what other ones. Blind Pig on West Six before West Six was even a thing when the other when other clubs were huge and but I was in these spots and they would pay me a hundred bucks to just come in and turn some guitars down to make sure they weren't squealing with the band that I was with. Mm-hmm. And that was my little five, that was five twenty dollar bills I had to just figure out, okay, like I don't necessarily need to like spend this impulsively, but like that's could be something that could go towards my music. Mm-hmm. And I just kept reinvesting it back and reinvesting it back and reinvesting it back. Even though I was spending it, I was just building equity as much as I can. So, um, you know, I just, you gotta figure out where you get valued and you gotta figure out like what, what makes sense to the person that you're trying to talk to, what makes sense to the product that you're trying to do. You know, if I was a, if I was an artist, no matter how good I was, if I'm, you know, going to an artist and I'm like, hey, I got these beats and because I, you know, worked with this person, this person, this person, I'm charging $3,000. It's not really practical, mm-hmm. you know? Right. You're just kind of like, well, I didn't come to you because of who you worked with, I come to you because your beats were fire. So what is, what is there, the middle ground, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but I take a lot of work into that. I take a lot of time into really thinking like, what's, where, how much time is this gonna take? Um, what's gonna happen after, after I, this person pays me? What mm-hmm. happens to the work? Cause I'm also an artist, so, you know, it gets, it's gotten to the point now where I've gotten so many paid opportunities that um, it's like me, I'm kind of taking a loss if the work doesn't get out. You know what right. I'm saying? I'm kind of taking like a, a kind of a, a humbling, like I may have gotten paid, but you know, I need to elevate my brand and I design for the purpose of people to um, interpret the art. Right. Um, so, you know, it's it wasn't even a money issue. You know, but like I said, just talk and communicate with people because you can't assume just because someone doesn't have a following, they don't value you and they won't pay you however much you think. Right. You know what I'm saying? I got these kids right now, they're paying me, um, you know, a lot of good money for mixes and they just have not been in a studio environment where they've dictated to know how much that is and what that is, but I don't see it as a moment for me to be like, all right, I'm just gonna run the checkup on them because right. they're, they're young and I'm gonna like sun them. I just say it as like, well, they value what I'm doing. So maybe I should, instead of trying to figure out how I can squeeze the most money out of them, how can I give them the most value that they have right. to where they can make money for themselves and not necessarily even need to spend with me all the time. Even though they keep coming back because they love right. the experience and they love the product and they love my energy, you know what I'm saying? And you kind of just got to really ask yourself that because everything's different. Like Jay-Z said, there are no rules in what we're doing. There is no, you know, there is no set plan. You know, if you're a doctor and you, you know, fix hearts for a living, there's a very specific way to do that. You need to be very qualified and you have to have a lot of experience to do that in a way that is going to impact that person who's essentially buying from you. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Obviously, like it's heart surgery and it's insurance, but you know, hospitals are a, a business. You right. know what I'm saying? So you kind of gotta just have that sense, and uh, it comes with just experience. The uh, the next thing I want to talk about your business acumen is the yeah. value of uh, 
essentially the value of collaboration and partnership. Yeah. Uh, you and Young Cap have been working together for years. You oh, yeah. and Jay Work have been working together for years. Yeah, yeah. The, the list goes on. Uh, but kind of, what is the um, the the key to building a new relationship, or maybe even are there any tips of reaching out to somebody that maybe you think is above your radar um, to uh, kind yeah. of build yourself a new opportunity? Uh, that's a great question, man. Um, I think a lot of that is based around understanding that you know closed mouths really don't get fed. Mm -hmm. You know, if you have a beat or you have an art piece or you have something that an idea, something in your mind that you know. Could, could rattle something, could change something, could could put someone in a different space. You know, you gotta really champion that and you really have to hone in on that and you need to focus on that. And that has to come with channeling your energy. Mm -hmm. And um, I felt like a lot of the times when I felt that I had a, a big idea, something that I think was a larger than life idea, the only reason why it didn't work out was because I psyched myself out because I felt that they didn't think that maybe they won't think like, what are they going to feel like if I don't, if I do this idea or what if blah, 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 and, and all these other things that don't really matter in this terrain. Because also when I've had big opportunities that I'm also like, what the fuck, how did I even wrap my head around doing something like this? A lot of the times I just overthought it and a lot of those people on the other side that were at that level really appreciated me and respected me for um, the the thought. Mm -hmm. The thought is what counts, you know what I'm saying? And like that's just a huge, huge part of um, of that, most definitely. And of those... That's the word, most definitely. Most definitely. Actually, <laughs> yours... Uh, I I had your word earlier. I what forgot. I'll pull it up. The next time you say it, yeah, it'll, it'll click. For sure. Uh, tell me more about the, the the relationship with Young Cap. You've, you're his um, yeah. pretty much resident DJ anywhere that he goes. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's kind of a good resident to a DJ. Yeah, I'm always I'm always like every month like changing like my like what what I I call my role because it's it's again a multifaceted one. Because mm -hmm. uh, he's just like my brother, but I've really been with him from zero to 100 again. So mm -hmm. like being able, from his best parts to his worst parts, I was always there. Um, so um, even though nowadays we're kind of just like, he's kind of, I trust him a lot. So I don't need to necessarily be as like next to him when something happens. Mm -hmm. So um, I got a lot of love for him, man. You gotta really just build synergy and you gotta, um, and I got a lot of love for uh, Daniel because um, we just stay consistent. We always work. There might have been times where it was like, ah, like we're like, ah, and then other times where we just want to fuck each other up because we're just so, we're just so exhausted and we just want to be great and we just want to do dope shit, but we're human. You know what I'm saying? And we both are like Jordan. So like we want to like just, just fucking be great all the time with what we do. Um, and that can just get exhausting and you got to realize at the end of the day Like that's just like your homie and that's like your family and your brother and no matter what happens no matter how they feel You guys are still for one goal. You know what I'm saying? That's just a dude tight ass shit, you know I got two last questions and we'll wrap this up. I have uh, to because it's been great. We got tacos We got to eat eventually. Oh, it's, it's getting late uh, Let's see. Let's go with the Almost every, the biggest thing that I've in all the rapper, rapper, musician, producer interviews Creative, that I've done. Yeah. 
when I when I record a podcast, I I do the audio, I do the video. As soon mm-hmm. as the video is done, I'm ready to put that shit out either on my website, YouTube. Yeah, yeah. Like I've made it, I'm good with it. Put it out there. That is not how musicians work. Interesting. And to me, I think there's probably a billion plus great songs that are on somebody's like your hard drive or uh-huh. a rapper's hard drive that never mm-hmm. make the light of day. Yeah. Uh, my wife uses the, the there's a song uh, Cabin in the Woods and Scuff Mixon have called Cheesecake. It's never been played anywhere other than Casey's basement, but she's heard it and she she knew the song after like a week. But they've mm-hmm. been tinkering on it for years. So, wow. what is it about a song that clicks for you that says this is ready to be released? This is ready to get off my hard drive into the public, or is there anything that says no? I can't release this until. Hmm. Um, I think out of me personally, um, my biggest thing that really dictates if whether or not something is released is kind of based on. Really, where is it going? Um, is it a collaborative project? Is it just something for me? Is it something that I need to do something else? Is mm-hmm. it just, there's a very huge amount of plethora of factors, but a lot of the time it's just timing. You know, um, there were a lot of songs or a lot of moments where we were like, "Dude, this is gonna go crazy when we when we lock lock in and knock it out." And it has, mm-hmm. and it's shown us over time and time again, like we know the energy and how that feels so when we're releasing records it's like we don't think about the blow-up record we don't think about the oh my gosh because we know what works and we know what things can do if we give them time Mm -hmm. you know um like even with my album cognitive distortions it was like that was a uh to me personally in my, my my best at my best resources being pulled, that to me was a complete thought. Like that was, even though it was 11 songs of dynamic and content, it was a complete thought that took probably a year mm-hmm. to really be like, okay, like, all right, to the best of my ability, this is the, this is, this is our, this is our great, mm-hmm. you know? And over time, I've realized that there's um, things sonically that I think I, I would change or things I would kind of let simmer on. But um, a lot of the end of the process of the album was just like, get it out, get it to people that need the music. At this point, we can't really, um, you know, fiend on how long something's going to take. There were some songs that had 18 variations, nine mixes. Mm-hmm. Because because we were in a position where we could do that because we're all in-house so all of our producers are in-house all of our audio engineers are in-house all of our graphic design departments are in-house all of our business affairs are in-house all of our marketing teams and people that are helping us promote our music are all in-house they're all committed to us Mm -hmm. so we can have the time for us to not rely on someone else's time schedule to design um and i think i would encourage more people to do that because music needs that that's why i really love Will Cherry, because he really, he sent me an album called Burgundy. I can't say this one because it's not the album. There were a lot of stuff that was on this album that was there, but it was a lot of access that was cut out. Mm -hmm. And we have to really embrace that as artists because, you know, it's not like how it was even in 2010. We all can create from a laptop, from a computer, from an iPad, and be able to have high resolution work without the feeling of deadlines, without the feeling of we don't have the right tools, without the feeling of not being aware. There's too much shit on the internet 
and there's too much uh, capability of the individual. Um, you know what I'm saying? So you just kind of got to know when it's time and you got to just get it out. Don't be afraid to get it out. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest thing. Some people like take their best, their best pieces of work and they're like, this, these are the ones I'm saving for if, if Kanye walks through that door, I'm giving him this, 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 this. And really Kanye wants those four beats you absolutely hated mm-hmm. that you took no time creating that was that was just something you undermined and you weren't aware of you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. and uh yeah you just gotta trust your gut with that now the, i think we're going to get a really good facial reaction out of this one this is the last question before we do our digital soapbox you know about the digital soapbox do you mm-hmm. follow the show good enough to know about that one no you gotta, cool. I, mean, I got cool i got you on the spot socials. i got you on the spot for a minute yeah for sure. um, but so you go to sleep you wake up the next morning. Boom. You could still hear your girlfriend talk. You could still hear trains. But mm. anything that Meditation. has music or melody, you cannot hear ever again. What do you do? Can you live? Um, I would all have to be dependent on when it happens because I'm actually trying tomorrow. To, tomorrow, yes. Um, because I'm currently trying to develop right now. This is all just this is super. <laughs> I would say top secret, but I'm just I'm designing. I'm trying to create something that makes it so people that are deaf can be able to make beats through the visual engines that we use in our eyes. Nice. So like. So you're still pushing. You're still I finding still, a way to like get into the music, even if you can't hear it. Yeah, and also the thing is though too is that I realize how visual creating music is and like i like i said i just know that there's a way that we can use our visual parts of how we use our senses to create a sensibility of tangible music do you see music in color no but i've heard of it there's been a few musicians that i've talked to music in color isn't that when they do like the 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 like banging and like i don't know about all that Um, but i've I've had some people kind of of explain it where like like a, a, a sad me. song, they hear it in blue, or an oh, energy wow. song, they might hear it in red, which yes. sounds like you've taken some really good drugs, in my opinion, where like, I'm like, I just hear, it's words, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not yeah. hearing colors, but it's interesting to see, and it makes sense once you hear that a creator does hear things at a different type of level than me, because I can't create mm-hmm. what they do, yeah. I also don't hear it the same way that they do. I love that, and yeah, that's super huge, that's very important. I was reading on, um, I read on um, Pharrell, and Kanye, I don't know the validity of this statement, but apparently they they see music in color. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm huge on creating music in color. Like colors, I, it's like Skrillex. I'm going to paraphrase Skrillex because this is a very huge pivotal part of my sound design. Is I realized that uh, I realized that Skrillex, you know, he he said it the best. You know, a lot of music and creating music is getting that tone of green just right mm-hmm. just right even if that takes an hour hour and a half just playing with that sound playing how that sound makes you feel playing on the emotions of the keyboards or how that melody um makes you feel and just creating a tangible product even though we don't even though we don't see like music as like something as tangible as a phone i do believe that sound waves are extremely tangible Mm-hmm. We play them everywhere through different speakers, but they're just as tangible as a painting to me. So, 
you know, it's um, it's, it's very, the same very way interesting. That how a song has a thousand different layers when you see it on yeah. you know, before it's mastered, and it's all these different tracks coming in and out. And it's different colors. I mean, I'm I'm yeah. color code AF, so like my kick drum is always the same color, or my hi hat is the same color because and you're doing that. So if you're looking for it, you know exactly where to go. Yeah. So you're not searching for a word or something yeah, like that. Yeah, and I'm not like, and I'm also just seeing the tones, like you know, like for example, um, the work I do with. MD Trey, a lot of times, often is very eerie. It's very dark. It's like mm -hmm. dark green, <laughs> if you right. could define it in colors. Um, but there's a lot of color that can explain emotion, and there's a lot of sounds that can convey emotion right. the same way we do painting. So that's a very interesting, interesting take. Because they're saying Pharrell like sees colors or hears colors or some wild thing, and I always thought like, am I do I see colors or feel colors? I just I think I can compare colors. I can compare red to distortion. I can compare, um, you know, orange to bright. I can compare green to eerie, mm. blue to smooth. So it's just, um, it's very interesting. I think more people should do it too. It'll help. Have you been studying kind of the, the science, the psychology of colors being somebody that does album artwork and different visual things like that too? Um, kind of subliminally say, look at all this green, like it's going to be something, you know? Yeah, my... Um, my foundation for design started with, with the study of colors, um, even long before I became a graphic designer mm -hmm. and just all of my art classes, just learning about cool, warm, analogous triad, um, contrast, and just what colors. What is analogous? I'm stupid on that one. I'm analogous. like, I had you at cool and warm, and then you went to like three other ones. Triad, analogous. I'm pretty sure analogous is uh, the, it's like, so if it was like red, red, orange, yellow, it would be the three. Right. connected next to each other i want to say but I, i'm not sure because adobe illustrator has a color guide so it tells you of all the compliments all of the triads all right. of the analoguses but i don't know the exact rules i will look it up though it's very very easy google absolutely i get so mad nowadays like especially like i was saying i like figured out how to do all this house fixing like yeah, I, yeah. I was a landscaper and a marketer by trade like <laughs> I, I, i've never had any idea about tile till i did it in the sink or whatever wow. but like I don't make an excuse if I don't know how to do something. It's like, that. all right, I have this idea. Yeah. And like, I, I made a little time-lapse video doing this. This thing has uh -huh. random floorboards su supporting it. It has random pieces of baseboard, yeah. like just the random scraps of what I had around the house with the basic principles of this is what you need to frame. Oh yeah. And then you're like, all right, well, as long as this wall stands up and nobody tries to support themselves on it, it's a perfect set. But like, sure. I could have been like, I don't know how to build a set. I chopped, you said you didn't know how to chop three inches off the table. Yeah. You take a ruler, you mark an inch at three, and you go, vroom. Boom, and you're good to go. I mean, it's just having that confidence the same way you have For the sure. confidence to go on a stage or yeah, anything yeah. else. It's just, what's the worst that could happen is I have to cut it again. For you know, sure. you just got to try it. Go on the internet, watch a video or two. All right, I got the principle. Put it to work. For sure. That's a lot of uh, my, my design career. It's just like me learning about tools and learning how to do things and just kind of, you know, um, Will Smith, he, he said it the best in pursuit of happiness when he like came and he like got there and he's in front of Jay, Jay Twistle and like four company executives and he's here and he's and he's um you know he doesn't have a suit on and he's painting because he's in like a huge you know he was in jail mm -hmm. the whole time and his whole entire life was riding on this interview and he said you know when he when he when he was when they were interviewing him and obviously were bashing him about what he looked like and how he did and he said look can i just say something and he said you know if i if i don't know the answer to something 
I'm going to say I don't know it, and I'm going to find it. Right. You don't stop at I don't know. You got to. You can't. Play. You can never stop at I don't know because if I stopped at I don't know, you know, I wouldn't have did my show with Jack Harlow. If I stopped at I don't know, I wouldn't have worked with Young Cap. And I, if I would have stopped saying no, I wouldn't have done things with Wiz Khalifa's DJ or done that thing because you can't let the ability of you not knowing something dictate if whether or not you're going to do it because maybe you may not know. Maybe the other person doesn't know. Right. Maybe that person that's telling you that you can't do this actually has never done it, and that's why they only know. So you gotta just trust your gut, and you gotta be open to information, and know that like anything is possible. And I truly do believe that. I genuinely like live my whole life thinking anything is possible. I can, I can, I can do whatever my mind takes me to because there are no limits. There are only the limits I set for myself. So. Awesome. Now you're set up for the digital soapbox. I'm going to go reposition the camera. Dead on you. You're going to get one minute to say for sure. and, and the interview however you want. So you could take it, it promotional. You could take it inspirational. You could just say how to find you. Exactly. Or, and, and, or, you, okay. or you could just end it at 10 seconds and be like, I'm done. But you get up to one minute once we set it up on you to end it any way you want it to go. In a time where life is extremely complex and there are moments in time where we all have no idea what the fuck is going on, you can go to Trey Smith's DJ sets and you won't feel like shit. I am Trey Smith. I have been humbled by my man Colin here to give you guys an interview. Watch that shit. Enjoy that shit. Share it if you like it. If you fuck with it, you know what I'm saying? If you fuck with something, you can fuck with something. And I appreciate you guys. Love always. You're the one